0: you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. So today we're going to be in Acts twenty-seven, uh, and the whole thing is uh, verse nine through forty-two, uh, but we won't we won't read all of it. Um, but so if you would turn in your Bibles to Acts twenty-seven, verses nine through forty-two, that would be wonderful. Uh, today um, we are uh, this part of Acts. We're only doing two more Sundays in Acts, and so if you uh, remember uh, the story where we're at now. Um, Paul has done uh, his his missionary journeys, um, and he has um, basically got himself arrested. And uh, through a, a series of of both political maneuvers and, and God's work, he's he's wound up uh, getting taken to Rome uh, because uh, this was a legal right that Paul had to face trial in Rome. And so he's insisted on being taken to Rome as a prisoner. Uh, And so, throughout our whole story, and and most of the scripture leading up to this, uh, Paul is is in jail. Uh, So, you know, the folks folks we have, um, we've got his, uh, there's a guy named Julius who's uh, in charge. He's the centurion that's holding him captive, that's bringing Paul, along with all these prisoners, uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, And in our story today, in our scripture today, uh, Paul spends most of the time on a boat. Uh, It's actually... Uh, it's a it's a really cool. It almost reads like a captain's log. you'll you'll get to hear it as as we read it. Uh, but Paul is being he's being dragged uh, to Rome to face trial. Um, and and our story, you'll notice is is all about what um, what it means um, to follow Jesus on on uncertain ground, uh, you know on on the deck of a boat, if if you will. Uh, I remember um, for me, I, I grew up, I grew up in Colorado um, and with two awesome parents and like I shared, an awesome church and a, and a pastor that cared about me and I had um, a really um, safe, safe childhood. Um, the kind of thing that I hope and pray, you know, for my own my own kids. I had people that cared about me and loved me. And so I spent most of my life growing up feeling like the ground was just solid underneath me. And, and I remember, and I think everybody maybe can look back at a time when maybe they realized that wasn't true, uh, in quite the same extent. Um, I, I remember, you know, my favorite place growing up was was falling asleep in the car. My dad's driving. I'd fall asleep, and and you just trust. You know, he's in control. He's in charge. And, and even to this day, if I'm ever in a in a bad situation, if if my dad's there, I know we're going to be okay because he's a smart guy and he makes good choices. And um, but I, I remember the very first time I realized that maybe the ground wasn't quite as solid as I thought. For me, that was, um, I was a freshman in high school, and it was when the September 11th attacks happened. And many of you, uh, if you were alive at that time, remember what that was like, and remember those moments and the news stories. And, and a kid growing up in Colorado, um, Colorado's got all kinds of Air Force bases. And so, uh, I just remember I was in high school that day, and our, our high school had a bunch of different buildings and you'd walk between, and as we'd walk between the buildings, uh, you just heard jets flying overhead. It was scary. Now, I was scared. And I, and I distinctly remember that moment where there's this before time in my life where the world was solid and understandable and the stuff that happened didn't really affect me or matter to me. Uh, and after, where it was like, oh, <laughs> you know, the ground isn't quite as, as solid as I think it is. And, and I think all of us have, have those moments when you just, you just realize, like, oh, um, it's not quite as sure as I thought. It's not quite as, as perfect as, as I thought. And and you have more and more of those moments throughout your life when you experience a loss or an unexpected situation or something big in the news or or whatever it is, and, and you've got to ask, um, you know, where are you going to grab onto? And so when I was a kid in that time, I remember I just, like, asked my dad. I was like, what's going to happen? I remember we filled up the gas tank extra because we just didn't know what was going to happen. And, uh, and and you know we we grab onto somebody, and, and maybe in those moments you were able to grab onto somebody that you could trust, somebody that um, maybe didn't have a solution, maybe couldn't solve the problem, but you knew you know if I'm near that person, you know things are, are going to be are going to be okay, you know. And and so today um, Paul is in a shaky, uncertain situation. So uh, just going to take a, a quick a quick look at this this story. Paul on a boat. Um, and this, this last leg of his journey, so just to recap again, Paul's going to Rome, uh, he's on a boat, and our scripture starts off, we're going to start in the middle of verse 9, um, uh, Paul gives them a warning. Uh, so they've already started their, their trip, um, and, and if obviously knows this is the ancient world, um, so it takes forever to get anywhere. So they're taking boats to these little towns, and um, to make their way to Rome. And so they've they started their journey. They've done a couple of, of little cruises, gotten off and on the boat. And you imagine, you know, here's Paul. Uh, here's Julius. He's the Roman centurion. There's a ship captain. There's sailors. Um, and there's a, a bunch more other prisoners on the boat. It's a, it's a prison ship. Paul is, he's, he's cargo. You know, for the whole story, uh, Paul's going where the spirit leads, where he wants to go, uh, what he wants to do. And now, here he is. Paul's doing what other people tell him to do. And he has no agency in this story. And you'll see it. The very first time, verse 9, Paul gets um, maybe a little bit of a culture shock. You know, he's used to being the leader. And he says, um, you know, they pull into port. And he says, it's after the Day of Atonement. And this isn't a a religious problem. It's a weather problem. Paul says, hey, you know, it's after this day. It's going to be choppy seas. It's going to be bad news sailing. And he warns Julius, his captor, he says, um, you know, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them. He said, I know, I know God, I know you. He says, men, and I love this, he sounds so like captain of the ship, you know, and his, his approach. He says, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and also to our lives Also, Have you ever been in a situation where you're with a group of people and you just know whatever it is you're about to do is a bad idea? (laughs) And you're just like, guys, (laughs) women, everybody, this is not going to work out. And so you make your case, and that's what Paul does. He says, the seas are choppy. This is going to end in tears. Uh, This is a bad season. It's going to cost us. But Julius, our, our centurion friend, instead of listening what Paul, uh, to what Paul says, uh, he does what a, what a good uh, jailer would do. This is what I would do if I was in charge of the prisoners. He asks the ship captain, he says, well, what do, you, what do you think? Do you think we'll be okay? And the ship captain says, ah, it's fine, we're going to be fine, let's just press on, let's move quickly. Uh, so, uh, but, it, but unfortunately, he says, but the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, um, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Uh, and so this is the first time one of the one of the first times in um, in Acts where Paul like he's the leader he makes his case and it becomes very clear uh, that Paul is not apostle on this boat he's not God's uh, God's person um, he's he's prisoner and so of course good centurion good leader you're not going to listen to what some random prisoner says no you know the the captain thinks we can make it let's let's make it so they they do. Um, they set off, and, and Paul has no, no sway uh, over, over their decision. Um, and, and, you know, and he, he continues, right? Um, he continues his cargo. Paul is, and it's, it's intended to show us that, that he is just at their mercy. It, it's their call, what happens to him. Later on, uh, the, the people in charge of the boat will discuss whether or not they should just kill all the prisoners. That's another moment where Paul is at, at their mercy, um, but so, but the question is, and as you read this, and, it, and the story is trying to bring this out, is, so who's, who's in charge? Who's the captain of the ship? The captain's just overruled Paul, and so the, they're going, and so it continues on. The rest reads, and, and you can kind of follow along, but I'm not going to read straight out of here. Uh, the rest uh, reads sort of like a captain's log. You know, for me, uh, captain's log is all is all just a Star Trek reference, but but I suppose boats had captains too. Uh, so <clears throat> this is how many people are on the, on the boat, 276 on a boat, they're called souls, uh, 276 people on the boat. Uh, captain's log, it says, okay, day one, uh, this is as soon as they leave, Paul says, don't go, it's going to be a bad idea. They get on the boat anyway, they ship out, and it says, it starts off good, it says, you know, a gentle wind is blowing. <laughs> Uh, but as they get rolling, uh, that wind is—it becomes a nor'easter, and it turns into this violent storm. The wind is blowing like crazy. And as you read the story, you'll see uh, that they actually have to um, uh, bring the lifeboat aboard. It was hanging next to the boat, and they pull it up onto the boat to keep it from pulling them down. And then they, I don't even know how you would do this, they, they drop ropes underneath the boat and, and tie up the bottom of the boat to hold it together. That's how bad the storm is. Things are... Things are are bad. Uh, So we bring the lifeboat aboard. We use our ropes to tie the ship together. Uh, Day two, this is how you know it's a bad storm. Day two, uh, they start throwing cargo overboard. A day ago, you know, you can remember, you've only, like, you probably haven't even slept (laughs) since everybody decided to just go for it. And now you're throwing the cargo overboard. Day three, uh, they throw all of the fishing tackle overboard. Um, and you can imagine what a big deal, be, big deal that is because, you know, it's nice to, to be able to eat uh, when you're out at, at sea. I throw all the um, fishing tackle overboard. Uh, you know, if you've ever been on one of those trips where, like, nothing nothing goes, goes right, this is it. This is a disaster, just like Paul guessed or predicted. Um, uh, so it, it continues on. Then it tells us many days of storms Pass. And we don't we don't get it we don't know precisely what day this is but but it says uh, the line is after many days of storms we finally gave up all hope of being saved uh, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before but um, you know very and I think maybe maybe you have you know you start off and and things are hard or maybe you're having a rough week or a month a rough month month, and you're, you're taking the steps to, like, make it. Okay, I can lose this. I don't need to worry about that. I can pull that out. You're, you're solving all the problems. You're eliminating all the distractions. Uh, you've taken your steps. You've done everything you can to keep the ship from sinking, um, you know, and oftentimes, as a pastor, I, uh, I get to, I sit with people when they're in the middle of this, you know, and it's, well, gosh, I, I went to my appointments, and I took my meds, and I did everything I could, and I changed my diet, and it's not working, it's not helping. The The numbers aren't what they're supposed to be. I went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, and nothing has solved my problem. Maybe uh, you talked to your boss, who you've just had this hard relationship with, and you've been praying for him for weeks, and finally you sat down and said, hey, um, this is what we need to talk about. This is what I, I you know... I wish you would do differently or whatever, and it, and it just didn't go well. You know, you did everything right. You did it the Christian way. You talked to them. You prayed with them. You cared for them, whatever. Um, and you tried your very best, and it just keeps getting worse. Or, or you know, or maybe, again, you're, you're working, you're trying to be better at your job or whatever, and, and they're just not seeing it. They're just not caring. And no matter what you do, it just doesn't seem to be improving, and so you've tossed everything at it. You threw your cargo and your tackle, and you threw everything else overboard, and the last thing that we always throw overboard is the hope that it can get better. And, and I don't know if you've been there. I, I've been in situations, I've sat with people who have hit that point where they've done everything, they've tried everything, and it, it almost feels better to not hope that it'll improve, to, 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 sort, of, to sort of give up. You know, you say, uh, I've done everything, I guess there's nothing, and it, and it almost helps because it hurts to hope when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what's coming, when nothing's getting better. Well, at this point, um, you know this is this is where they're at on the boat. Well, Paul, cargo, and and Julius uh, in charge, and the ship captain, and they've thrown everything overboard, including the hope that they might make it. And at this point, if you've ever been in this kind of crisis with people before, all of a sudden, you know, the difference between Paul the prisoner and, and Julius and the ship captain, it just sort of all, all equals out. You know, everybody's just stuck on the boat, everybody's going to die. And I think that's, that's the moment that, that we're in. Uh, they're all captives now. They're all captives to the storm. Their only hope is, is finally somehow getting the ship to shore, but they've, they've given up on that. Well, it says after some more days without food. So they they give up hope and they're they're holding their reserves. They're not eating any of their food. They they don't know what to do. They're really struggling. And then uh, Paul gives a pep talk, but he starts with an I told you so, um, which makes me feel better because sometimes you just can't not say I told you so, right? And Paul, like this is not the right time, guys, but he does anyway. It says, um, Paul says, this is verse 21. He says, Man, you should have taken my advice to not sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. And you imagine the, the captain of the ship. I can't believe they didn't just toss Paul overboard at that moment, you know, but, but they didn't. Um, but he doesn't stop there. He says, but now, uh, and again, Paul's the same Paul. He's, he's trying to help. He's trying to lead. He's trying to care for them even though he's the prisoner and they're the jailers. He says, but I urge you now in verse 22 to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Paul makes a prediction, and it's based on what he says in verse 23. He says, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, and this is important because as far as Julius is concerned, Paul belongs to, to Julius, but, but Paul says, um, an angel of the God to whom I belong, Stood before me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you all the lives of those who sail with you. It's interesting how Paul, uh, what this angel says to Paul. The angel saying, um, You may think, Paul, that you're on a boat with no hope of survival. You may think that you're a prisoner of Rome, but the, the truth is, the reality is, is that God is actually carrying you this whole way. Uh, God has brought you onto this boat, he's brought you onto the sea, and you will stand trial before Caesar. Because uh, the one who controls the wind and the waves and the earth um, that you're standing on has a plan for you, and that's for you to go to Rome. It says, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you as a bonus <laughs> all the lives of those who sail with you. Paul says, this is what the angel said to me. Um, and if you're on the boat, and you've thrown the fishing tackle and the cargo and the hope overboard, at this point, sure, like, I'm, I'm on board. They listen, and so Paul says this. He says, so keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. so that's the, the solution He says the only solution is that we're gonna we're gonna crash the ship on an island and then we can get off and survive. Uh, and some things to notice here is Paul is being he's being that person to grab onto and you'll see how they grab onto him because the rest of the story as you read it, um, everybody on the boat they just fall into line and start taking cues from Paul. Uh, Paul's like um, you know, The people on the boat, they're like little kid Todd, and dad's driving, okay, you know what? Paul, you just tell us what to do. And so you'll notice them do this. Um, And you'll notice that Paul is not, um, he's not giving them false hope. Um, He's telling them what he's seen and heard. He's not denying that the ship is in trouble. He's not denying that they're gonna lose almost everything. He's not in denial of his reality. He's embracing it, but he's confident that God is at work in it. I think this is really important because oftentimes in churches um, and and just, I think, in the world, people think that having faith in God is about closing our eyes really tight to reality. Like, oh, you know, I'm just not going to think about what's happening in the world. I'm going to turn my back to it. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to pretend that it's better than it is. I'm going to put on a happy face. I'm not going to think about that uh illness that I'm struggling with. I'm not going to think about that person that I lost. I'm just going to pretend that things are fine and that I'm happy and that everything is good. Uh, but but it's, it's not. Paul shows us what faith, faith is. It, it looks like holding two things together that we often don't. It looks like embracing reality honestly. Saying, yes, we're on a boat and we've got no food and it, and it ain't good but I trust God anyway. Uh, you see, when our faith is based purely on our circumstances or in denying our circumstances, when, when our faith is dependent on, on the ship never rocking in the storm, when it relies on good things happening to us, and as long as good things are happening to us, we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, and as soon as we hit waves and, and rocks, we say, where are you, God? You know, if that's what our faith looks like, um, it's, it's missing something. It's so uneasy. It's not uh, feet on solid ground. And if our faith is about denying reality and pretending that nothing is happening when it is, uh, that's not really faith either. Uh, Instead, the faith that we're invited to is like Paul's. Um, Faith worked out in love, love that cares for people, uh, not based on what our resources are, not based on whether or not things are going good, uh, but in our belief and connection to God's great abundance. Our belief that even when the ship is, is tipping over and sinking into the water, God is able to hold on to us in and through that. And faith that is planted on a God who's bigger even than a shifting earth, it gives other people something to grab onto. And we'll see that in the story. Uh, t- we'll, we'll take a look um, because something happens on, on the 14th night. Uh, so on the fourteenth night, um, it's still they're just bobbing out in the sea. They're not they're not going anywhere. They're getting really worried because um, they're noticing they're dropping these um these like weights, these sounders to see where the bottom is, where the bottom of the sea is. And they're noticing that it's getting shallower, but it's it's rocky and deep. And so they're they're worried. Uh, the sailors are worried. Uh, they they drop anchor so that they don't accidentally crash yet. And and the sailors are like, okay. The ground is getting higher, Uh, we know uh, that we're close to land, and so they start, uh, they sort of disappear, and they start taking the lifeboat out and putting it in the water. They're like, okay, good luck, guys, Um, we're going to save ourselves. Um, But Paul uh, sees what they're doing, and he says to the centurion, to our friend Julius, his his prison, his jailer, and the soldiers, and he says, hey guys, um, another prediction for you, Uh, Unless these men stay with the ship, the sailors, if if the sailors don't stay with the ship, um, you cannot be saved. He says, unless these men stay with us, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers, and this is the moment where they really start listening to Paul. They're taking orders from the inmate. And so uh, he says, unless these guys stay, um, uh, we, we can't be saved. And so the soldiers, and you can imagine as they're dropping the lifeboat down and they're getting ready to get in, they come over there and they cut the ropes and push the lifeboat away. The soldiers must not have been too happy, or the sailors must not have been too happy with that. Um, And so they're floating. It's the 14th night. Uh, They really haven't had hardly any to eat. They don't know what to do. They're close to shore, but they don't know how to move forward. And so Paul, um, it says it's just before dawn, the 14th night. Paul urges them to eat. And he says this. He says, for the last 14 days, you've been in constant suspense. You've gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now, I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. So he's like, we're going to eat the rest of the stores. We're not saving any more food. We've been on the shore for 14 days. This is an act of faith. Uh, so we're going to, I urge you to take some food. We need it to survive. Not only, uh, not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, and, and this is meant to be uh, 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 the author of Acts is sort of quoting this. So we're supposed to notice what he's talking about. After, after he says this, Paul, it says, Paul took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all, and he broke it and began to eat. Now, does that line sound familiar to anybody? What is that line? Who says that line? Or who does that first? Jesus, right? Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took some bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Paul takes the bread, and this is intentional, um, and he holds it up, he gives thanks to God, and he breaks it. He's inviting them into his, his practice, his religious practice. He's inviting them into his faith. Because um, it's that same language. Uh, because this is what the church did when they gathered. The, the very first thing Christian churches did, it wasn't sing songs. Um, it wasn't even necessarily reading scripture, though they would quote scripture. But the main thing that the first churches did was they broke bread together. Because that's what Jesus said to do. He said, whenever you eat, whenever you break bread together... Uh, you uh, remember what I've done and and who I am. And so Paul brings that practice of faith right onto the uncertain, uh, shaky, shaky boat. And in that moment, in that trouble, Paul's faith, it it becomes their lifeboat. Uh, They've cut the real lifeboat and shoved it away, and now the only place that they're standing is on Paul. You know, so much so, his faith is, is their lifeboat, so much so that they're willing to cut loose the actual life raft, Uh, And and these are the three things, as you see it, that that make up Paul's faith. Remember, Paul, he embraces reality. Paul does not pretend to those soldiers that there is no storm, that there is no danger, that there is no trouble. He doesn't pretend they don't need to take any action uh, to to help with it. He embraces reality, honestly, the good and the bad. He says the, the ground is shaking, but I trust God anyway. He clings to God in the middle of it. And finally, on the boat, on the deck of the boat, when he breaks the bread and gives thanks to God and passes that out, and they throw the rest of the grain overboard, uh, he reaches out to grab others. He's the sort of person, and, and I've met, I don't know about you, but I've met people like this all the time. Um, and in, in, as Christians, as people in the church, people uh, from here that I've sat next to um, their bedside facing some of the most difficult um, words and moments of their lives. People that uh, we've done funerals for a week after that moment and sitting at their bedside they grab on to me and they say I know where my feet are planted. It's okay. They cling on to God and they're a life raft for you, aren't they? I know people, you know, you had that person in your life that I don't know what it is. You know, they went through something that any normal, regular person would just turn their back on God and walk away forever. They tried so hard. They worked so hard to make something work out, to get better, to to whatever, and it just didn't. And it was a disaster. And you thought, I can't believe you're here. But then those people, those are the people that I hold on to. I don't know about you guys. The people that are able to make it through a storm, uh, lifeboat faith, it accepts reality. It doesn't deny that life is hard. It doesn't deny that the waves are, are coming. It doesn't deny that we threw the tackle and the food overboard. But it does cling to a God that is bigger and more solid than a wave. Uh, so, so it continues. We, we get a little, a little picture. So they were, as they're eating, it says, they were all encouraged Everybody on the boat. They were all encouraged. Even the soldiers who thought they were going to sneak, or the, the sailors who thought they were going to sneak away, they're encouraged too. They eat some food themselves. It says altogether there are 276 of us on the boat. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lighten the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. And and in its dawn they eat, and the sun comes up. It's very cinematic. <laughs> the sun comes up, and as the sun comes up, uh, they see the shore you imagine that moment? And so they cut their anchors, and they point the ship at the ground uh, and hope to crash into the island so they can get off the ship. Uh, and, and as you read, there's a little story. It says, you know, there's a moment where the troops are like, okay, we're in charge of these prisoners. How are we going to keep track of the prisoners on the island? We should probably kill all the prisoners. Uh, that's the decision they make. But, but it's, it's Julius who's been there, who's been standing on Paul's faith, who stops them. Because it's funny, as you notice as we went through this story, it begins with everybody ignoring and discounting Paul, the cargo, the prisoner, the person whose opinion didn't matter. But by the end, because of the way Paul holds on to God and invites them on, Paul is their life raft. They do anything that he asks them to do. When he breaks the bread... He brings, uh, it's this image of, of bringing God's world into the uncertain world that they're on. And they cling to Paul, just like planks of wood, because they know that Paul's feet are on something more solid than their boat. I believe that our world, uh, and all the things that are going on all the time, uh, and, and all the uncertainty, and all those moments that we have when it was clear of the ground, wasn't as solid as we thought. I, I think our world is in dire need of people that can do those three things. I believe our world is in dire need of people that can accept and acknowledge painful realities. That don't have a faith that denies it. That don't have a faith that says I'm not going to think about that. That don't have a faith that says Oh no, I think it, I think it's it's probably fine and, and, and refuses to accept reality. Don't have a faith that says oh, that didn't really hurt so much. No, no, no. I think our world needs people, Christians, who can say, yes, look at that wave. Yes, we lost our tackle. Yes, we tossed our food and cargo overboard, but still cling to God. Yes, all is lost, and I don't know what to do, and I don't have an answer to the problem, but I know that God is stronger than me. And finally, uh, I think our world needs people not just to accept reality, and not just to cling to Christ, but, but to be willing to invite others into that, to be willing to share with people who don't know Jesus what it looks like to have your feet planted on something more solid than the shifting deck of our world. My friends, I don't know about you, but if I've learned anything over the last year is that our life is not as stable as we think it is, Right? <laughs> There's nothing about our world that is as solid as I thought it was two years ago. We are all on a ship held just above the chaos of the sea by a few pieces of wood. And the question for Christians and the question for the church is, will we admit it? Will we cling to God and keep our arms open for others so that they might see what it looks like to live in an uncertain world founded on a certain God. We are invited to accept reality, reality that we fail, reality that we're not enough, reality that we sin, reality that the world is unstable. We're invited to cling to Christ and his sacrifice for us, his his death and resurrection that says, even if the ship sinks, even if the soldiers, uh, they, they take Paul out in that moment, he has a life that is deeper than life on this earth, a resurrection to look forward to. Those people that sit in hospital beds and hold tight onto me, not so that they can be pulled up, but to pull others up, those people are counting on the resurrection, on a life in heaven because of what Christ did for them. We're invited to accept. We're invited to cling. And we are invited to bring whatever it is that we have in love and break it and give it to others on the shifting deck of the world that we live our lives in. And we're invited to do it together, church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are bigger and more solid and firmer than anything we could put our feet on. You make the most stable, most solid places of our whole entire world or universe seem like shifting sands and waves that change in a second. You are solid and unchanging. And because of your son Jesus who died and rose again, you invite us to keep our lives in you so that we won't be shaken, so that we don't have to pretend anything is different than it is, and so that we can hold on to others and invite them to put their lives in a solid place too. And so we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCov.org. Thanks and have a great week.